And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. All right. Welcome back to 1% Better. This is Zach Kiefer, joined by James Boyd. James, we're done in Westfield. As of right now, it's Thursday afternoon. We're recording this. The Colts have racked up their 16th training camp practice in Westfield. Relief? Excitement? I feel like this the regular season is getting here, but it's not quite here just yet. Like, I'm really ready for the games to start to matter. Of course, I am. I will say that I am thankful to have started a beat before the season. When I was with the Pacers, I started during the season, and I was very difficult to hit the ground running. Yeah, that's tough. At least you'll know, like, the guys exactly. when they start in Houston, exactly. right? Um, but I do think we have a pretty exciting preseason game coming up mainly because we should see some one versus one action as far as starters. Um, the Bucks and Tom Brady are coming to town. They're going to play their starters probably for about a quarter. I know um, Frank Reich has said that the Colts' starters, except for Jonathan Taylor, uh, Naheem Hines, should be in there for about a quarter, quarter and a half, maybe two. So, so we should see some good reps, although it still won't be you know, as schematic as a regular season game would be. I think what we saw in practice this week is the Colts started to prepare for Houston. We saw some one offense versus two defense, and we saw some one defense versus two offense, which tells me they're kind of getting into game mode a little bit. Now we have next week, and then we have another week, which would be week one before they go to Houston. So they've still got time. But this is the point in the year when they start to scheme for that week one game. No, they're not scheming for the Bucks. And Matt Ryan talked about that a little bit today. Like, he knows the Bucks well from being in the NFC South all those years, but like they're not drawing up plays trying to beat Tampa's defense. They're just not. In that light, you will see a lot of the ones, except for Taylor and, and Hines on Saturday night. And with Brady playing, there will be a little bit of buzz for a preseason game. I don't want to go too far because it's August 25th, but what are you looking forward to seeing the most? We didn't get to see them really do anything against the Lions last Saturday. Um, so this is the first time we're going to see Matt Ryan in a Colts jersey since Buffalo a couple weeks ago. What should we look out for Saturday night? Well, it's a Super Bowl rematch, first and foremost. So let's let's start uh, there. Yes. <laughs> but um, no. Maybe it's a Super Bowl preview. Th- there knows? you go. But no, um, jokes aside, I think for me, I want to see Phillip Lindsay. Um, I think that yeah, that's a good one. he is a running back that could be very useful for them. And I think he will be based off of the reps he's gotten in practice, the talk around the team. But I do want to see more from him. I mean, this is a guy who was, you know, Pro Bowl caliber running back. And, and to have him as your third string guy is um, a huge benefit to that offense. So to see him kind of work as far as the handoffs, as far as his pass catching ability, I think that'll be interesting to see. I also want to see, again, the receiving group. Uh, we joked the other day when we were watching camp that half the passes, if not more, went to Michael Pittman Jr., um, you know, in a perfect world, obviously you'd love, every quarterback would love to throw their main guy every single time. 
but that is not how the NFL works. So I do want to see what, you know, Alec Pierce can do, what Paris Campbell can do. Um, and also some of these position battles. I mean, um, Michael Strawn, you know, Desmond Patman, like these are, are guys that are, you know, vying for spots, not, you know, Alec and Paris, but the latter two are vying for spots yeah. on the 53-man roster. So I do kind of want to see who steps up and seizes that moment to solidify their chances of being a part of this regular season team. I'm glad you brought up Pittman because it was staggering to me this week and in, in the two practices the Colts had. They had three technically, but today was more of a walkthrough. Mm-hmm. I felt like Pittman caught at least 60% of the throws with the first team offense. It was everywhere, all over the field, crossers, slants, go routes. It was bubble screens. It was everything. And I thought, you know, someone in the media joked, like, he's going to catch 140 balls <laughs> this year, and that's that's not going to happen. Marvin Harrison had the NFL record with 143 for a long time until Mike, Michael Thomas broke it a couple of years ago. They're not going to do that. Frank Reich's never going to have a guy that catches that many. But the point is, I, I think Matt Ryan and him are on sync. And I'm glad you brought that up because we do have a really good conversation coming up after this. I chatted with Nate Tice of The Athletic just about why he's digging the Colts this year. And he loves Matt Ryan, obviously. And we talked some scheme on offense and we talked a little bit of Gus Bradley on defense. But one of the questions was, how do you unlock Michael Pittman the right way? Mm-hmm. And he thinks it's going to be really important to do it in the middle of the field where Matt Ryan's been among the best in the league the last couple of years. And where do you think Pittman's caught a lot of these balls? I've seen a lot of balls in the inside of the field, the middle of the field. I feel like that's his danger zone. And and he's a great contested catch catcher. And, and I feel like we're going to see a lot of that. Maybe not Saturday night, but I think Pittman has been the best player in camp since I started – you know, looking at these guys, what, July 25th, 26th, when they really got going. I mean, Taylor, I don't have any concerns about him, but Pittman has answered the bell every day in camp for me. Who has stood out to you the most in terms of guys that have just brought it consistently? I think for me, it's a safe answer. But again, starting kind of late, seeing Stephon Gilmore in person and just the way he goes about it is unique. You wrote about this this week, but – He's a guy who it does not fit the mold of shutdown corners. Like he doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't say a lot. The loudest thing about him is his Jordan one cleats. That's about it. I mean, <laughs> they don't really match the outfit, but you got to go to ball to wear them, I guess. But And he does. That's what, yeah, that's what we said the other day. Yeah, and that's the thing that stood out to me the most is, one, his ability to make plays and really just be cerebral with it. But two, the way he commands the respect of his peers, offensively, defensively, um, the coaching staff, everyone pretty much sings his praises when it comes to just how mentally advanced he is at the game. And so when I talked to him this week and I asked him about Nick Cross, I thought it was telling that he told me, hey, you know, Nick's not a regular rookie. I'm like, this is a guy, you know, who's been to the Super Bowl. He's won a defensive player of the year. He's done all these things, and he's like, hey, that rookie over there is, is pretty good. He's He wants to be great. And I'm like, okay, if Stephon Gilmore is saying you're not a regular. Yeah, that matters. Yeah, I mean, because he doesn't say much. He doesn't say anything hardly. So I get it. It was a softball question, but I thought that it was telling to say he's not a normal rookie. And I was like, okay, that's – and he's 20. So I would say, to kind of segue in there, Stephon Gilmore, Nick Cross are the two that have stood out to me defensively. And like you said, I, I mean – Pittman's been phenomenal, and then JT is 
he's funny just because it feels like he's just a kid waiting for Christmas Day to come because he's he's got all these weapons he's that are around him now. He talked about how skilled and talented his peers are, how many dogs they have on the team. And he'll never say it, but he's the dog. So I'm excited yeah. to see him, you know, after this last preseason game to see him in full-blown JT action. And, I mean, it'll be my first time seeing him in person, fun fact, since he played at Wisconsin. They came to Illinois, and he – I forget what game, what year, but he had like 90 yards at halftime. So it kind of lets you know yeah, how good he was. I'm just guessing he had a big day. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty good. Didn't I think he had like a slight injury that game. Didn't need him for much of that, that contest. But, yeah, I – Distinctly remember writing a preview about that game for AP when I was freelancing for them. And I was like, yeah, he's the angle. And uh, even though he didn't play in the entire game, he was super, super talented. And obviously he's kind of taking it further. And then I, just to kind of on a tangent, I asked him, I was like, man, everyone's saying like how great you are. And I said, I don't doubt that for a second, but how do you not, you know, give into that? Cause in human nature, you want to be told how great you are. And he's like, man, you know, I just kind of, pushed out of my mind because he's like if you were a hall of famer and i'm paraphrasing but he's like if you were a hall of famer they put you in there right now you know i, I haven't arrived yet and so i think that he wants to really separate himself as one of the great running backs in the nfl and by doing that you have to do it again in a sense that's the funniest thing about jt everyone knows how good he is except jt like, and it's not, it's not, he's not just BSing us. Like, he's literally one of the nicest guys yeah. I've ever talked to in this league. And he's also one of the three or four best Colts I've probably ever covered in my nine years on the beat. Like, he's just, he's just a special dude. And it, it, it like, you go back and you're like, how did teams pass on this guy? He can do everything from the running back position. And he's unbelievably humble. And all he talks about is, I don't care how many yards I get. We need to win this year. Like, we need to win in the way we didn't last year. Special dude. And, and to go back to the Gilmore piece, this is something, since the story's out, I can kind of share the reporting I've done the last couple of weeks. Like, in talking to some people in the organization, I think Gilmore's been as good on the outside as any corner they've had since since Vontae Davis back in 2014 and 15. And Vontae was really good in those years. But there was an unease in the building, a frustration that he didn't practice. Like, and he would have these little injuries that would keep him out for two weeks. And that was difficult for those coaches and it was difficult for the team because when your best player isn't your hardest worker, it sets a bad precedent in the position room. And, you know, talking to like Ron Milas and Mike Mitchell, the DB's coaches here now, and they're like, when we went out to get Gilmore, we were going out to set a standard in our position room. Mm -hmm. And that's really what he's done. And you see young guys like Isaiah Rogers, you know, following that lead. And um, like you said, Gilmore doesn't say a damn word. Like... <laughs> No one had more PBUs the entire camp. Like he had a billion. And I never heard him say a word one time, one time. Um, and that sort of changed the way they think back there. And I think he's, you know, they, they just haven't had that. A lot of teams have had shut down corners in the last 10 years. The Colts really haven't, besides a brief, brief, brief run from Vontae. And he was really good. Go back to that Denver game in the playoffs. He was special. In 14. He was unbelievable that day against Peyton Manning. But, but Gilmore's just different. And, and so that's. You know, I would encourage you guys that haven't read the story to go read and just see how the Colts recruited this guy, you know, what they dug into and some of the things they're saying behind the scenes. Because like you, James, you pointed out before we got on the air, like you didn't really quote Gilmore that much. And he didn't say a whole lot, but it was the people around him that sort of the pain of the picture of what this guy's done. And again, I know it's just camp and I wrote this. They didn't bring Gilmore into town to shut down Alec Pierce 
and Moelle Cox <laughs> and Paris Campbell on the practice field. They, they brought him here to shut down Devontae Adams in Las Vegas in week 10 or whatever that is. So he's going to have to do it when the games start to count. But the best performance from an outside corner I've ever seen at Colts training camp, without a doubt, he's been that good. Um, I do want to get a couple injury notes in mm-hmm. because this is important and people need to know this. You know, last week I'd heard that the Colts hadn't ruled out Pup for Darius Leonard to start the season. That would mean four games on the sideline. It sounds like, based on what we heard from Frank Reich yesterday, that's not going to be the plan. They want to activate him to the active roster, even if he's not ready to play, simply because they want him to practice. If you think about it, it makes sense. It seems like he's getting closer. um, But if he's on the Pup, then he can't practice, and he needs to practice. So maybe two weeks of practice, but um, we'll see. When he starts to practice then we'll start to really think about him playing some games. But at this point, my gut would tell me he's probably not going to play in Houston, but they haven't ruled that out. But he can't play if he's on PUP. So I would expect by next Tuesday when they go through final cuts for them to activate 53 onto the 53. So Shaq Leonard would be available to at first practice Mm -hmm. coming off that back surgery. Um, We saw Dennis Kelly today not practicing but out on the field, which is a step because honestly I hadn't seen the dude in like a month. He's the backup swing tackle. They need him. And we'll get into this in just a minute. But, you know, I have some reservations about the offensive line depth, and he's a guy that answers some questions there. Um, Cordy Pay, you know, went down yesterday. I'm sure you saw this during the middle of practice. Was grabbing at his knee initially after, you know, a day after Rigoberto. Everyone thinks the worst. It's just a bone bruise. MRI was clean. Um, I think he'll be ready to go for Houston. They held him out today, but – that's a good that's a good break for the Colts after getting a really bad break the day before. Frank Reich's got them all doing gassers at the end of practice. The entire team, I think it was the first time I've seen the entire offense and defense and special teams doing sprints together. And what happens, of course, Rigoberto Sanchez, their unbelievably talented punter, goes down, grabbing his kicking leg. It's a ruptured Achilles. He's out for the year. They signed Matt Hawk, who was previously with the Buffalo Bills, to replace him, but just getting a sense and, and talking to Bubba Ventrone yesterday, that's a big loss. Like, he was really important. And, and what's kind of a shaky special teams unit right now? Yeah. I mean, Bubba talked about it. He was asked about some of the shakiness throughout preseason. Said it was a lot of youth, but it's like, you know, that's more or less usually kind of what you want on your special teams unit in the NFL. You don't really want. It's kind of like par for the course. Like you can't go out and pay guys for special teams. <laughs> exactly. Usually. So something has to be kind of cleaned up in that regard. But going back to Rigo, I mean, that's a, I think punchers and kickers are sometimes really, really overlooked in the sense that what they do isn't all that sexy or flashy, but it's also not that easy to just go find someone who can just do it in a sense. Like, I think, you know, kickers probably feel it more. It's like you miss a kick and people are like, oh, why can't you just make that kick? And it's it's only a kick, but really there's only like 10 in the league that I would say are really good kickers. The rest are just, you know, good enough to be there. So I think what um, Bubba said about not being able to replace Rigo is true. I mean, you you can't replace a guy who kicks that way directionally, flips the field that way. I mean, that is an advantage. I mean, the first step of your defense is flipping the field. And he did that, you know, as one of the best in the league. So um, it's just an unfortunate thing. I know a lot of the talk on Twitter and social media is like, why are they doing sprints? Why are they doing this? And it's just, it's sports. It can be uncruel. Like 
I mean, 99 times out of 100, you're running sprints or gasses or whatever, and no one's hurt. And by the way, I didn't see the, the injury happen live. We, we kind of just walked. I believe I walked away. I know I did um, once he started going. But from what I could tell, these were not like, you know, timed high school. You got to make this you run again type of thing. Nah, it was very light. It wasn't that. I think it's just something to kind of cool down. And unfortunately, you know, with one step, it, it's over for him. So I don't think this is one of the things where you can point the finger necessarily as opposed to just point at the sport and say like, hey, he's did, he's played football for however many years and his body finally succumbed to it. I mean, it's a violent sport. So it's unfortunate, especially with Drew Ogletree already going down the non-contact entry. But I also think that, you know, if you were going to have something happen, have it happen now where you can kind of get, again, you have a chance to, to sign a punter, get him in here, work him out and kind of get him acclimated before things really start to matter as far as, you know, wins and losses. Yeah, they brought in five punters Wednesday morning, you know, the next day, and they and they signed Hawk last night. Um, a couple of guys I want to throw at you that I'm excited to watch Saturday night. Just just guys that are not necessarily fighting for spots on the team because they think their spots are established, but you want to see them against ones in real football situations. Matt Pryor, we're just going to keep watching the left tackle, see how he does mm-hmm. against speed off the edge, especially against that Bucks front. Jelani Woods, who I think has gotten better as camp's gone on. Um, he should get some run early, fairly early, I think. He'll have a he'll have a certain menu of plays he he sees. Um, I think this season, and then Kylan Granson, like you want to see him keep stacking good days. Mm-hmm. He's continued to get better as camp's gone on. And again, and I was talking with Nate about this just a minute ago. Like Granson is like this six two guy who looks like a running back <laughs> compared to the other tight ends. And you see Woods and Ogletree's been out there standing off to the side the last couple of days, even after the injury. And then obviously Mo Ali Cox, who is still a, a just monstrous human being. So um, again, I'm not really sold on the tight ends. We'll have to see how Frank uses them. But I did have a good conversation with Mo the other day about his new role as the tight end number one, and he's like, "Yeah, it's the same thing I used to do. I just have a couple more sit routes." And I'm like, "Oh, so like the Jack Doyle right on third and six. And he's like, "Yeah, basically." So we'll see. Um, I don't know if Moe's as sure-handed as Jack Doyle was on those certain plays, but I'm going to keep my eyes on the tight ends this weekend. Um, they do have roster cuts on Tuesday, and there's not a lot of spots that are really, really up for grabs, but there are a couple, and they're fascinating. Um, we've got Michael Strawn, who's been back two weeks now. We've got Desmond Patman fighting for that fifth receiver spot. Maybe the Colts keep six. I guess they could, but where are you going with that one? And then secondly... Is Sam Ellinger on the 53, or do they cut him and try to get him through waivers to bring him on the practice squad? I think that's a tough call because Sam's had a really good preseason for the most part. But then again, I think they signed Nick Foles to not have to keep three quarterbacks on the 53. So where do you come down with those two decisions? I think I'd probably go with the injury history, that, and then the injuries are there, they've already had, unfortunately. I'd probably go with um, – Keeping the six wide receivers just because the injury history that you have with Paris Campbell. I mean, I would love everyone would love for the guy to be healthy. I think from a human perspective, as I said, from cheering for him, I mean, from a human perspective, I never want guys to get hurt. I want them to be able to do what they enjoy. But the reality is he hasn't been out there throughout his career very much because of various injuries. So I think you want to keep a little more insurance in that room. But then with Ellinger, it's interesting because he said it himself that he's not ready to be, right. you know, a backup or be a starter, no less. So 
I think that they don't keep him on the 53-man roster. Um, I think that there could be some looks that he gets, but I don't see a team seriously going out and grabbing him as their backup because he played well in the preseason. I mean, there's a lot of people that play well in the preseason. I'm not discrediting anything that he's done. However, he hasn't done it in an actual NFL game. And again, he himself is saying, I need more time to, you know, relearn how to throw. He's got this new throwing thing. You touched on a little bit in one of your previous pieces. I encourage everyone else to go check that out. It's like a notebook, I believe, from last week. But he's like relearning how to train his mind to throw the football. And it's, it's a complicated it's a, stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, I read it and I'm like, okay. Like, I felt dumb talking to yeah, him. Yeah, it's like football science or something like that. Seriously. Yeah. He's with he's with Tom House, who worked with Andrew Luck yep. coming back from the shoulder. He's yep. worked with Brady. I mean, it's like it's like where sports meets science, and it's fascinating. But you do feel kind of dumb talking to him. About yeah, but, but to kind of piggyback off what you said – He's saying this himself. I need more time to master this. It's a it's a multi-year process. So I don't think that it would benefit the Colts that much to keep him on the roster. I get it because you don't you want to make sure you you sure up a guy who has been in your your system and has shown improvement. However, I don't think that he's dominated in a sense to make it seem like some team is going to just jump all over him if he hits. You know, if you don't sign him, I don't think that he'll get picked up right away off waivers. Um, of course, I could always be wrong, but I don't think that it is worth keeping three quarterbacks because in a perfect world, you will not need three quarterbacks. And I think that something would have to go absolutely wrong for, for that to happen. So um, I would, I, though he has played well and he's a bit of a fan favorite, I don't think that they're going to keep three quarterbacks. Yeah, let, let me say a couple things about Ellinger real quick. There's been some chatter. Uh, but I think the smart fans understand what's going on. One, we've seen this before with with these mobile quarterbacks in preseason games. They don't scheme for these guys, and it's essentially sandlot football. It's backyard mm-hmm. football. And some guys' games are very, very apt to that. And we go back to Stephen Morris looked great, and, and P.J. Walker looked great. These are quarterbacks the Colts have had, third stringers in the past, that have looked terrific in meaningless games. And And I will say this, like, I love Sam Ellinger. Like, he is a great young man, and I love talking with him. And I wrote the story last year about losing his brother after he'd already lost his dad. And, like, we – you know, he's he's a great dude. He's mm-hmm. a great human being. I think he's going to be a great quarterback coach down the mm-hmm. line, and we talked a little bit about that. That being said, 31 other teams are looking to do the same thing the Colts are doing, and that's keep two quarterbacks on the roster and not three. And I don't think a lot of teams are going to be jumping at the chance to grab a guy that doesn't have this great arm that would fit this system maybe in a pinch, but not necessarily theirs. And there's never been, there's never been this month a debate about who the Colts' number two quarterback is. I cannot stress that enough. Never. They did not not sign Nick Foles to be a guy they cut. (laughs) They signed him to a two-year deal because he's going to be here for two years. And Frank Reich believes if, if Matt Ryan gets hurt, which he doesn't hardly ever, Nick Foles could come in and throw for 400 yards. Like they really believe in Nick Foles and Frank's seen it. Frank's done it with him at the highest level. So um, don't get persuaded and don't get swayed by these late fourth quarter preseason games against a bunch of guys that are going to get cut on the other team um, just because Sam's making stuff happen. Is Sam better? Yeah, he is better. He's making better throws for sure. But I think even Sam admitted that um, he's not pushing Nick Foles for that number two job. He's just not. So let's get that out of the way. Um, one more, but I still go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. One more quick thing I do want to add, and I forget, I think 
we all kind of forgot to ask uh, Frank Reich about this, but Ryan Kelly, you know, not being out there yeah. for practice because not ideal. You know, he tested positive for COVID nineteen, so he's one that you know I will, all of us will see if he's out there for the preseason game. Based off of the timeline, I don't know if he'll be available. I think that's up in the air. I have to check from the last thing that I've read. I believe it is five days automatically if you test positive for COVID-19, which means that he would not be available. But again, hey, your eyes can tell you better than I can tell you. So we'll all look for that just to make sure with the new season, things haven't changed, something like that. However, to me, that's that's significant because I believe from what I read, like every day, the Colts had all their linemen which is what it yeah, kind of been until this kind of yes so i think that that's something to keep in mind like this is a dress rehearsal it's your most important preseason game obviously and i know frank said that all the starters will be out there but again like that might be all the starters except for naheem um jonathan taylor and again ryan kelly so we'll see about that that was one thing that i was like okay that's something that Shouldn't be a huge deal. He should obviously be back by the time that the season starts, but not an ideal situation when you, again, I get it that Matt Ryan isn't a rookie by any means. He's a very accomplished player, probably a future Hall of Famer, but he's still new. So you want to kind of make sure that all the things that you can control, that you can kind of have going your favor. Yeah, like, like, like your starting center. Yeah, you, the you guy want snapping him, you the you ball. You want him there, especially with the questions that you, not questions, but the, the, the Matt Pryor stepping in at left tackle, his development, like, of course, you have some really, really talented other offensive linemen. Um, and I'm sure that they're going to make sure that Matt Ryan, you know, stays safe in, in, in most regard. But still, you want him in there because you want these reps. These reps really matter. So that's something where I was like, hmm, OK, that's that's not an ideal thing for the, to happen. To them. Yeah. And, and here's where it's a real problem. And I'm being honest here. This is the third time Ryan Kelly's tested positive for COVID and missed time. That's not ideal for your starting center. You need to be available. Mm -hmm. And secondly, this means Danny Pinter slides from right guard to starting center, which is he's, the, he's their backup center. So Pinter is losing reps at right guard, which is where he'll play to start this season mm -hmm. because he needs to fill in at center. And I will say Will, will Fries has been solid at right guard. And, you know, it's easy to hide a guard if he's not playing great. I understand that. But um, that continuity that they've had throughout training camp has been um, interrupted by this positive COVID test. Not ideal. Thank goodness COVID isn't more of a story this season. I think it's the first time we've talked about yeah. it. Thank God, because I know you covered it like crazy oh, with the NBA yeah. the last mm -hmm. year. And man, we that was like most of training camp last year was was COVID. So um, all things considered, it was a really good camp for the Colts health-wise. And I know everyone's going to say you lost your star punter and you lost, you know, a rising tight end. But like last year, you go back, like Carson Wentz didn't have training camp and that cost them. They were terrible in week one against the Rams because of that. Quentin Nelson missed time with surgery. Ryan Kelly missed a lot of time. Braden Smith missed time. Leonard missed time. Um, you know, for the most part, the defense has been intact with the exception of 53. Um, but I think, you know, all things considered, they had a pretty positive camp and it was really quiet there for a long time, which is a really good thing from the Colts end because they weren't having guys drop like other teams were having their quarterbacks go down and their star players and the Bucks have lost a couple of linemen like that stuff matters. That stuff's going to add up in, the, in October, and November. The Colts luckily got out of there only losing, you know, their rookie tight end and their punter. Not ideal. You don't want to see those guys down. But 
they're in a much better injury position than they were a year ago. I will say that. And I think that matters. Um, and they're doing something different this year. They're playing their guys in the preseason. They're playing Matt Ryan for up to a half on Saturday night. And I think they need those reps. They're going to treat it like a mock game. And then from there, two weeks and you're in Houston and the games start to count. Thank goodness, because I'm tired of watching preseason football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, you get it. These guys are chasing their dreams. I, th- I try to keep that in the back of my mind. It's like, hey, how many people can say that they've suited up for an NFL game in any capacity? But as you said, um, the real season, the real reason we do this, real, the real reason we cover this sport is because we want to cover the stuff that matters, you know, when it comes to the win-loss column. So I'm excited for it. Obviously, my rookie season, I'm sure I'll have my wins and losses personally, but it uh, it's going to be fun just because, I mean, the only other time I've been in Lucas Oil out, you know, for any media thing was always for a media availability for like Big Ten days or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And I've also been there to cover um, high school state championships. I went twice. Um for a couple of region teams from Northwest Indiana that made it down. So I've been there to cover a game, but it'll be cool to cover my first, you know, NFL game um, and kind of get that out of the way. And I'm glad that I was actually able to get like a preseason game, even like a dress rehearsal for myself in a sense to, to go in, get a game. Um, like I said, I was not there last week. My dad retired and had a party for it. It was great. Um, didn't watch much of last week's game. I, you know, I didn't. I don't know if I missed very much by Ellinger ball. Nah, not too much. But uh, yeah, getting back to the point, just excited to to start it off and to to see. You, you know. can't go. Ha- you can't go home at halftime though. That's oh yeah, I know. When the, when the stars are done, you got to stay. <laughs> and I will. I mean, be on the lookout. I do have some things that I'm working on. We're both working on, but um, I, I'm excited for what. My next story will be, you know, if I can get some certain interviews in certain time, which I'm sure I will. And, and I'm excited to, if you ought to check that out, but just keep checking out our stuff. Um, keep supporting us. And it, it's it's fun. I mean, this to me is, is you know, after you do all of the profiles and even your, your piece on Stefan, it's like, I love just the put up or shut up mentality of sports. Like we can write all these things. We can say that Matt Ryan is all these things, Zach. But at the end of the day, it matters what happens on that field. And, and we don't control that. We just control what we write about it. That's a great thing I've, I've never taken for granted is, is showing up to a stadium and not knowing what's going to happen. Yep. And that's the funnest part of the job. And it, if, it, if you ever lose that feeling, you're probably in the wrong business. But it's, it's going to be fun. Um, and coming up next, I got a great conversation with Nate Tice. We talked for like 25, 30 minutes about you know, why he liked Alec Pierce coming out of the draft mm-hmm. so much, what he wants the Colts to do with Michael Pittman this year, what he loved about Matt Ryan in Atlanta and what translates here with Frank Reich, and what to kind of see with, with the Gus Bradley scheme and how Darius Shaq's role might change a little bit. So good stuff with Nate. Um, that's it. I think that's all we got. Let's wrap up the preseason on Saturday at in Lucas Oil Stadium against Tom Brady. That's a little bit of a surprise. He's going to play a little bit. But it should be, in terms of preseason games, one of the more tolerable ones. Um, Mm -hmm. Back in the day, I would have sent you to Cincinnati to cover that last game where none of the starters start. (laughs) But um, this one will be pretty good. But um, that's it from training camp. Westfield is over. Now we're moving to West 56th Street where the Colts will start their regular season preparation next week for the Houston Texans on September 11th. But um, for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening. And here is the conversation with Nate Tice. Enjoy. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And we're back. As promised, a very, very, very special guest today, Nate Tice. Nate, how's it going, man? Welcome to 1% Better. I appreciate that. Very special. That is 1% better. So that that's very that's matching it right you there. You will right? feel 1% better after this. So the reason <laughs> I asked you on, if you scour, if for those of you out there that know Nate's social media, like a couple of weeks ago, you were tweeting about the 2009 AFC Championship game, yeah. Peyton dissecting the Jets in the second half. I know you're a big Alec Pierce guy. Yeah. You and Robert Mays were talking about sort of unlocking Michael Pittman. You kind of got a thing for the Colts, don't you? I got it too. I know. I don't know what it is. I really don't. It was my dad was with the Jaguars for four years too. And so I, I have plenty of memories of Peyton hitting some comeback that he's not even looking at and goes for 40 yards. And you're just like, what the hell? It just hit you. Um, no, I, I am a kind of a sucker for the Colts. I, I mean, even with Andrew Luck was there. I love Andrew. And uh, I mean, I know you got a, a plenty of Andrew Luck the last couple months <laughs> in your life. But it's uh, fair to say. Yeah. But no, I it's and I was just talking to you on the pre-show. It's like even with the draft, they just take guys I like or guys that I have had, you know, circled. And this year it was Alec Pierce. And I was like, of course, the Colts took Alec Pierce. Like if it was the Packers or somebody else that took him, the Bears, maybe it wouldn't be like, oh, OK, then I don't have to like really dissect preseason film of the Colts when Matt Ryan's not even playing and it's Nick Foles throwing the football, but here I am, I am watching all four quarters. Cause I want to see Alec Pierce out there and other guys too. I mean, Naheem Hines sucker for him. Moelle Cox like him, Kylan Granson. I mean, all these guys, Jack Doyle before he, he retired, like just, I don't know what it is. Something about the Colts, something about the horseshoe. I, I'm a sucker for. Interesting. So let's just dive in. So let's stay on the, that side of the ball. 
offense. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of what I'm seeing at camp, but then I want to get your thoughts. Like, so Matt Ryan is very predictable, and I mean that in a good way. Like, there's so much less imagination with him than there was last year with Carson Wentz, where you just didn't know what was going to happen snap to snap. But the thing I've noticed the last two weeks, they are throwing a lot of balls to Michael Pittman. And so this year, I feel like they're going to use Pittman in different ways. Like last year, it was kind of just down the sideline and they they lost track of, you know, what do you do if you're Frank Reich and you want to unlock Michael Pittman? Because I feel like he's going to have a big year. Yeah, uh, my co-host Robert Mays, he he loves saying that Pittman's a slasher, like in basketball, which I I, I really like that. Uh, Pittman as like a yards after the catch guy, he he's... I wouldn't say he's like a power guy, but he's more, he has size. Like that's how he, oh, yeah, and he uses it. Yeah. And he uses it. He's, and it's, it's not a finesse guy or anything like that. Um, the match, why I'm kind of getting suckered in. We just, there are top 10 offenses. I had the Colts at eight, I believe eight or nine. And why I kind of, I'm just talking myself more into him because looking at Matt Ryan, no one throws the ball over the middle of the field more than Matt Ryan. For, I've heard that a lot the last couple of weeks. The number, yeah. I've I found the stat and I just keep repeating it. Like I got re- hey, they gave me access to true media and I I'm I'm down into it like a It's hard scientist. to figure out where you're going with that stuff, but I've gotten it's, better at it too. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, they gave access to me and I there was one time I was getting laid on an article because I wasted like three or four hours making stats in true media, which is just yeah, it's catnip for me. Uh but the the, the number I came across was throws between 10 and 22 yards. Um so a lot of routes over the middle. Are at 10 to 22 yards. Digs are usually broken off from 18 to 22. So that's why I added that extra 10 yards as opposed to 10 to 20 in between the numbers. No one since 2019 has thrown that those types of throws more than Matt Ryan, which is the hard throws. I started comparing Matt Ryan to Chris Paul because Chris Paul is known for making those long twos. This is the hard shot, but he's so efficient at it that's like, all right, let's let's keep at it. Let's keep him doing it. But I like when I'm looking at the the Colts receivers and tight ends, they emphasize size. I think anyone that's seen Chris Bauer. Oh, my God. Ogletree and Woods are enormous. Enormous. It looks like basketball team. And more like Cox, really. Literally, it's Kylan Granson, and it's three, as he called them, three Redwoods. I mean, that's what it feels (laughs) like. That's what it is. Yeah, and he's the pine tree. Like that's, But that's what it is like. And Granson isn't like, I mean, he's a smaller tight end, but he's not like, he's 6'3", right? Isn't he 6'2", and change 6'3"? He looks, yeah. yeah, he looks tiny. When he's next to those guys, like it's like, oh man, who's this five eleven tight end? Running back, but, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looks like a fullback, but I, I just really like the size because when you get size over the middle of the field, whether it be Alec Pierce, who's actually was last year at Cincinnati, they were having him do a couple slot things more as a blocker and a vertical guy. Um, the term I use is power slot, but him, Pittman, I mean, all these guys. Paris Campbell's a little different type, but even the the backups too. They all just have size. And where that comes into the becomes a factor, people think it's just the go balls down the sideline. No, it's like posting a guy up over the middle of the field. It's just pinning it on him. And that's what Matt Ryan's really good at, whether it's a seam route or it's a dig or it's just something, a, a short dig or a deep dig, something over the middle of the field. This is the perfect type of guy for him. You don't need that speed. You need size. And because it's tight spaces, you want to pin it on their body. You also, they're also going to take a lot of hits. <laughs> so that is another factor watching those old Peyton teams that 2009, 2010 teams. Oh my God. Uh, what's his name? Um, oh my God. Hold on. What's, well, I, I got to think of his Dallas name. Clark? Da- no, no, it was a receiver. It was a white receiver. That's why I'm like, Blair saying. White. No. Uh, 
Ashley. Oh, Kali. You're thinking Kali. Awesome. Yes. 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 Yeah, oh, my he, God. He, I mean, he almost didn't get up from like six of those hits. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, I, I, he was dominant. But it's like, oh, I can see why your career didn't last too long because Peyton, Peyton was using you over the middle. Um, but that's the same type of thing. The, the hits aren't as harsh as they used to be, but they're still hits. Like they're still accumulating contact. But I just like and I, this is a term I use it jokingly, but I use it seriously now synergy. Like it matches his style of play. Matt Ryan's style of play matches the receivers and tight end style of play. I, I and that's why I like Matt Ryan. He's everything's available. The whole menu of football plays is available. Play action, RPOs maybe. I think they are going to sprinkle in. Frank Reich likes him. He's fine at those intermediate throws. He's a calculated deep ball thrower. He's not going to chuck it like Russell Wilson once every ten times, but. If he likes the look, he will throw it deep. So he keeps you honest as a defense. He can throw a quick game. He can throw on the move. He's a better athlete than people give him credit for because he's older and That's goofy something looking. I heard yesterday. Yeah. And we've seen that. It's not like a statue like Rivers was two years ago. No, no. That, yeah, it's – I know it's it's kind of goofy because Matt's limbs are going every which way and it kind of doesn't look – but he still can move. Like, it's still – it's like a fluid athlete. It's more comparable to maybe like Rodgers. Like, you know, Rodgers isn't – like, at this point in time. Rodgers he can move years. if he needs to, which is all you need from that position when you're not scheming for that. Exactly. It's a break glass in case of emergency. And he can do it. Like you say, he's not a statue. So, I don't know. I, I've looked at this team. I think also Matt can operate from under center way better than Carson could. Uh, Carson Wentz and better than Philip Rivers could in, at his old age. So now they go under center more. That matches Jonathan Taylor's preferred run style a little bit more as a, more of a downhill runner. So again, I'm just liking how these pieces are fitting. So it was one of those two months ago. Yeah, I like the Colts. Oh, I love Alec Pierce, but it was more like, oh, that's cute. That's fun. And as I kind of have noticed how the pieces are fitting with Frank Wright calling plays, designing plays, I just really like how that looks. Do you have any concerns about the depth at wide receiver? Because it's it's a question mark, and they didn't go out and add any big names besides you know Alec Pierce in the draft, and Doolin's the fourth right now. He's earned that job, and I think Strawn's going to be the fifth. He's only been back for a week and a half or so, but that's a big drop off between four and five, and these guys haven't done it, and there's nothing behind them. Yeah, I mean, always depth is going to be the name of the game. I mean, just even getting a guy this year, like Pierce was drafted in the second round for a reason because they just. You know, who else, who else are we going to trot out there? So thank God he looks like he's ready to play early um, because he, he does look good. I mean, just Why do you like him, him so much? We talked to Chris Bowden in the film room. We yeah. listened to Frank. Frank likes him on the outside. We, For me, I see the, ver- I see the vertical basketball volleyball player in him. It's, and sometimes it's, you can't teach that with wide receivers, that ability in the air to be comfortable. Some yep. guys just don't have it. He I seems mean, like he does. I mean, there's a guy uh, going to be a Hall of Famer, Julio Jones. Everyone wants to blame Julio or the offense or Matt Ryan for why Julio Jones never caught a lot of touchdowns. Julio just doesn't have that feel. Like some guys hmm. just have that feel down there for space. And I agree with you. That's where the basketball background comes in because it's grabbing a rebound. It's boxing yeah. the guy out. And it's going to be comfortable in the air, which is yep. hard to, to really simulate. And everyone thinks it's always high pointing, which he can do because he has a 40 inch vert and he's incredible. He's incredibly athletic. It's, it's just adjusting. It's the ball gets tipped down. Like he had a play, I think in the preseason uh, or in, in camp that I saw and he's adjusting for a fade ball against like, the lions. Yeah. Yes. With the, with the, with the hand in between his two arms. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. It's just hand eye coordination like that. It's not just high pointing, which he can do. I, I liked it. It was one of those guys. Someone told me about him like September, October. When I, I was when I first watched Ritter. Uh, Desmond Ritter, who I was also high on. So I'm watching watching this guy, and I'm like, this dude just keeps dunking on everybody. And then he goes against Notre Dame. He dunks on those guys. Yeah. And then against Alabama. So I, every time I watched him, I liked him better. And that was also the thing, is he was getting 
better every game. His route running improved every game. His releases improved every game. They were moving him around more as the season went along. I like those late bloomer types. And you could just watch this guy and you're like, this guy's a good athlete. I don't know why, you know, he got stereotyped like a lot of guys do, but you watch him and it's like this guy against Alabama, they're trying to press him and he's breaking guys off when he not getting the ball. Like he's not getting, he only got targeted a couple of times that game, but every, that's what you got to watch receivers. It's not just the highlights. It's in the, in between plays. And if you can break off and run past Alabama guys, all right, who, who else can we say? Like Georgia, like, sorry, you didn't go against Georgia. You went against Alabama and you look good. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like you're splitting hairs, but it was, I, I just saw improvement in this game. And then when he tested, which I figured he would test well, he tested off, you know, off the charts. I, I just like that. It's a late bloomer. He's tough. He looks like he works hard. He's supposed to be a great kid. And yeah, is he perfect right now? No. Some of the route running, he he sometimes when he has to run a cruel route or a comeback route, he can be a little high and a little, you know, stiff. Well, you know who's on his ass about that is Matt Ryan, who's like, oh. I joked about this with Frank today. I said, you didn't know you were getting an assistant wide receiver coach. That's like what right. Ryan is every day on the practice field. Like we see it. That's invaluable. They didn't have it, that last year. Yeah. And that's such a, it's, it's a respect thing. It, it's it, a coach can most coaches can get through the players, but sometimes the players tune them out just over time. It just is what yeah. it is. Okay. Okay. Whatever, whatever. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I'm still, you know, bawling out who cares. But then when you get the starting quarterback going like, Hey, you got to sink on that. It's like, Oh, okay. Yes, sir. Like they could just say it once. And it just also clicks in their brain. And that's just, that's just reps. He just needs reps at it. He, a lot yeah. of routes at Cincinnati where he was moving deep digs, posts goes where he's just going, he didn't have to sink. And he's a taller guy. So that's also the other thing is just being taller. It's just going to be harder. So he just has to work at it. But he's such There's a good athlete. Space. Yep. Yeah. And he's, he's been with the athlete. one since the start. Which and cool. he's looked like you can just tell sometimes like, oh, he just fits in. He just uh, he doesn't feel like he's swimming upstream. Like yeah. I felt the opposite about Jelani Woods, the tight end who came in. Just like he looked like he was a little lost. Now he's yeah. gotten better. But Pierce is not going to tear it up from the very beginning. I really think he's got a little bit of seasoning yeah. once the league gets here the real game start but he just looks the part some guys just look the part and he's been with the ones ever since and you know they had Gilmore on him a lot early in camp and I think he got a little bit of trial by fire in terms of holy shit this is how hard it is to get open in this league like Gilmore is all over you without following you but I like Pierce in this and and then and they didn't spend money in free agency at the position because I think they knew where they were going to target a receiver early yeah and that was their top pick that second rounder that's awesome no I and it made sense for me. Like it was one of those guys where I was like, yeah, that makes sense for him to go to the Colts. I thought, I mean, I thought the Packers and Bears, I, that's why I mentioned them before. It was like, that was such an easy like target to fit right there. But I guess they didn't think the same way. Uh, I just, I think he's a true ball winner, like a guy that is a true X. Um, I mean, the guy that he reminds me a lot of is Demarius Thomas from the Broncos, like a little bit, like just that, I don't know. It's there's something to him. I, I agree with you. Like he carries himself the right way. I don't know. Like it's just those guys. You feel you. I just watched Jaquan Brisker, uh, the safety. I've never first. questioned him with that first team. I've never been yeah, like he's just a, be a part of that. And that's it, not something you say about rookies that often, especially receivers, rookie right. receivers, because they right. come in because the game is so different. Oh my god, so yeah. different. I have to right. worry about blocking. Like right. I didn't, you know, I didn't right. have to do that. And Matt college. Ryan's yelling at me every day. Right, right, right. <laughs> get my depth. I, I was supposed to just get open. I have to get to 14 yards now. So that that's why. Like I just watched the safety from the Bears, Jaquan Brisker. And you watch him, and it's like this guy just gets it. Like right away. I'm like, this guy's gonna be fine. I he might if he, is he gonna be a star? I don't know, but he's gonna be a starter because rookies don't act the good rookies don't act like rookies. It, it's just uh and you can see it in practice, I'm sure, every day. They just carry them. They're not you don't hear a lot of come on, Pierce. 
Like when you're not hearing the yeah. guy's name, that's a good thing. <laughs> it's hard to quantify. And, and Reggie yeah. Wayne's the new receiver coach at yeah. town. And Reggie Wayne, great. when he speaks, he he knows what it's like. One as a player, but he also doesn't heap praise unnecessarily on his guys. Let me throw this at you. We have a theory in Indy. Jonathan Taylor will be less used this year, and it'll be a good thing for the team. Do you buy into that? I think it's theory until you know it's <laughs> right. a great until idea. Until you need a third and five, until and you got to give it to your October horse. October tenth or whatever, and it's like, man, they're running a lot of light boxes, and we're really you know getting six yards of six yards a pop right now. Well, come on, JT, let's yeah. <laughs> let's ride yeah. you for twenty six right. carries. Yeah, I. I think that's what always happens, especially I love Naeem Hines. That's another They guy. want to get Naeem in more involved, and I think they will. And I get it. And I get they it. They have I, to. Yeah. I think it's more when you say get him more involved, too, it's not 10 more touches. It's more usually three to four. And yeah. that's so I think that's what it is. Maybe it's 10% less for Jonathan Taylor and 10% more for Hines, which Hines is great. Like he is one of my favorite role players in the league because he's so useful, pass protection, route running. Yeah. He's and been he's a solid receiver runner. a ton in camp. That's out awesome. wide in the split deep balls, like you'd name it. The, he has one of my favorite plays since I've kind of been in this world of football media. Is he broke off Jair Alexander on a slant, and it's like that's a running back breaking off one of the top corners. Like that is you don't see that. There's two guys running backs I can think of, or three: CMC, Kamara, and Naeem Hines. <laughs> like that. That's the maybe Eckler, but those are really that. I mean, but think of what those guys are. Those are all pros, right. and we're talking about the role playing back for for the Colts. So, we mentioned Gilmore. Let's go. Let's go to the defense. Okay. They're gonna they're gonna try Darius Leonard. Excuse me, Shaq Leonard. We're still getting used to that at, at the sure. mic, I think, and and move Okereke to the will. On paper, how does this defense look, and how do you think it performs compared to what we've been used to with Eberflus the last four years? Because they were really good against the run, but the pass had some stops and starts in terms of really high completion percentages they gave up. How much changes? I think the thing that stays the same is that they're going to try to win with their front four. Uh, it it doesn't to. matter. They're not. Yeah, they're not. But they're not going to be a blitzing heavy team. Gus Bradley is a Correct. bottom, bottom, bottom of the barrel. That's, you go get Ngakwe. You got to win. Got to win. It, it's there's no manufacturing pressure. Like so that that's that's what they live and die by. I I like the front. Uh, I love DeForest Buckner just because of his versatility, and I think he's just an effective player. Like no matter, he's useful. Like sometimes he doesn't have those flash plays that some did, like the Chris Joneses of the world have, where they shoot the gap. Right. But he's a mauler. Like he he occupies blocks. He he gets pressure consistently. He's just a useful player. I I, I really am a big fan of his. I think pay. I pay. Did pay just get it hurt? Did I, did yeah, I nothing that? serious. It's just okay. a bone bruise. Should be good to go for week one. Okay, so pay. I, I'm keeping an eye on. He was not as effective in the first half of the year, and I he I tabbed him as one of my breakout players in an article I did last month. And looking at the numbers, it was the second half of the year. It really looked like he uh, started gaining more pressures. A light bulb went off, um, which kind of happens for a lot of edge rushers. Oh, I can't right. just win this way anymore. <laughs> you know, I actually have to like have a plan and do all that. I think this type of defense where it's pin your ears back and go is going to help him. Um, also, just Yannick's going to be a great kind of teacher of stuff, like mo- teacher of moves for him as well. I think the Shaq, uh, Shaq Leonard thing, I'm really proud I said Shaq there, there is uh, in this type of defense, he's such a good athlete and such a good reader of the, of the, of the game. That position – because they're single high all the time. Gus Bradley loves cover three. That is what uh, everybody else is going to quarters or robber. He still does a little bit of that, but he loves cover three. They puts more pressure on the mic to be up and down. If the guy goes vertical, if a receiver goes vertical from the slot, that's on the mic linebacker in this defense. 
So that's what Bobby Wagner made like was brilliant at in Seattle. Like this, he, is he, this the, it's the Wagner role. Is this what, is what they want Leonard for? And that it makes sense because he reads the game so well. It's it's uh, I'm gonna be like kind of like hitting like two ideas here, but the old kind of Tampa two defense. Remember, it would be Brian Urlacher or Derek Brooks or whoever right. would have to run run deep with the, the receiver 20 yards, and then they have to fill the run. That's what it is. It, but now it's cover three. It, but it's that same type of they have to be up and down, up and down. But wouldn't you want one of your better players doing that as opposed to right. just a made-up name, even though he changed his name, but just some made-up name? You know, So that, that really helps that too. So that role is they have to fill the run, of course, but if that slot – goes vertical they have to carry it a lot more defenses now are having a safety come down to do that role and it's just kind of flipping it it's it's i want to say it's old school but it's not it's like what everybody was doing five years ago it's just this is how nfl defenses offenses do <laughs> they just go in circles about what which one they emphasize so this is where we're at right now this is the trend we're doing yeah let me ask you about another guy julian blackman yeah so he's had a really good camp and he's back from the achilles and i feel like in this role in that center field in the back that's going to really fit what he does well. And we've seen it, the jumps on the ball and reading things. And he can also come down and hit too. He'll pop you. I think he could be one of those breakout guys that we're not talking about right now that we might be talking about in October. And that's a great call because just like you said, coming down and filling the run, that that the guy that made this one famous because this is just the Seahawks defense from the years, the Earl Thomas role. They call it the eraser. I I don't know if they still call it, but that's what they called it then. Yeah, we've heard that a couple of times in Westfield. Yeah, it's because like you say, he comes down and hit. They have to erase bad run like bad run defense they have to come down read the play and wipe they're they're making it an eight yard gain instead of a 20 yard gain that that is his role in the run game it's he cleans he's a true safety he's a safety net (laughs) and i think with blackman because he reads the game fairly well is when you're in the post as a defender um the new defense is not new defense the defenses are emphasizes is having more two safe balanced two safeties right and blackman is truly being a free safety where he's in the post so with the two safety looks, it's both guys have to be balanced because one guy can come down, one guy go up, one guy carries a receiver, one guy has to read the quarterback, yada, yada. But this role is more read the game. And it's in the passing game, it's, hey, I have to cover numbers to numbers, which is really tough, but he's a decent enough athlete. That This is my real side story real quick is when I was with the Falcons and Dan Quinn from the Seahawks came there. They're installing their defense and they're trying to tell us in personnel department, like, hey, these are the guys we like at each position. So they're showing me, Bob, they showed us Bobby Wagner just carrying like four or four receivers, 50 yards right, down the field. Right. And Find another sh- one of those. Yeah. And then they showed Earl Thomas covering sideline to sideline and then making like seven open field tackles and then blowing up a play over the middle. And, they, and they're like, so this is our ideal safety. And I was like, yeah, no shit. Like yeah. <laughs> once in a generation, <laughs> once in a generation guy. Right. It's like, yeah, I would have liked him too. Where'd you find I would love ball? to have Ed Reed too, but yeah. yeah. But they don't yeah. find those. And also, where'd you find them? Oh, yeah, he was a lottery pick. Yeah, I'm sure you have to invest in those guys. <laughs> you know, that it's more rare. I, I think that's the thing. It's like people are like, oh, he was Bobby Wagner was in the second round. It's like, yeah, but he wouldn't go in the second round now. But <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So it's but that's what uh no, sorry. I just it's just funny, but that it's a tough role because the guy has to read the game well and you can't be a stiff athlete because you have to cover so much ground and kind of bail everybody no, out. You but, have a choice. But it's perfect for him because he's physical and and that's you'd rather have that than a guy that just runs around and kind of gets near tackles because he's going to have to erase some stuff. You guys talked about this too. And I talked about this with Robert when he was in town in a very crowded AFC with a lot of young superstar quarterbacks, Burrow, you've got, you know, Russ and Denver and Herbert and all these guys. What's the ceiling for this team? Does it feel like there's a ceiling? It's how good can Matt Ryan and Frank Reich be? 
And where does I, this team end? They can, they, I, I think it's very reasonable. And I know this, I, I should go bet on it if I'm going to sound like this, but it, it, I live in Las Vegas. I can't do this. Uh, I, I think they're a double digit win team. And, and I really do. I think they, they have all the makings. If things break right, if they, cl- if this offense clicks, but that's the thing, I am optimistic about Matt Ryan and Frank Reich making it's, it. It's work. easy to bind to Frank Reich. Right. It's not. Uh, Objectively, I think it, I mean, five quarterbacks in five years and he's made it work to varying degrees with each one. It's been unbelievable. I keep comparing it to the late nineties Vikings when my dad was an assistant coach, because they went, uh, Brad Johnson to Randall Cunningham, totally different skill sets. Same thing here. Same thing. Reset to rivers, to Carson, to Matt Ryan. I mean, luck was launching balls and then you got, you know, rivers running crossers, a million crossers all day, all the way over the middle. And Wentz throwing slant routes and balls left-handed. Like, you know, like it it was was everything. (laughs) We lived to hear. Yeah. I, I mean, I, they have the upside of a, a, like an 11 win team and winning division. Like I, I think the Jaguars are going to be a little feisty because I just think Trevor Lawrence is going to be so good. And I think their defensive lines could be really good, which is two really hard things to have in NFL. Um, Houston's in their own nether realm. And I think Tennessee is kind of in a weird revamp year. Um, I yeah. think their defense is going to be feisty as well. Their offense is just, uh, it's, it's scattershot, I think right now. Um, but that is really like, this is their division to have. And I they think, do it. yeah, they have to, and I think that's a reasonable expectation for it. I think they should have the same expectations, but I think it's, they're going to be a tough team. If I think this offense is what I think it can be. They're going to be a tough out because I think they're going to be so balanced. Do they and have any weak holes, any weaknesses? Like I'm doing roster predictions and I'm like, I, there's not a group besides maybe the tight ends that I just don't feel pretty solid about. So, yeah, I, I'm solid with the O-line. I think it's better than it was last year, which the is kind of fun. Is, uh, yeah, They've got three studs and then I'm not really sure about the rest. And that could right. be a problem because those are important positions, especially left tackle. Especially tackle. I But the one positive I will say is that Matt Ryan – Yes. prefers having protection in the middle than the tackles. It's he does worse when the pressure comes from the middle. So it's better to have. He's a, good in the middle, I think. That's no, that's what I mean. It's better to have a better interior for him. I, Carson I re- was the opposite. Carson yeah. get burnt because his deep drops and deep drops and everything. Yeah. Matt, and I think Matt, Matt is a better maneuver. Help. Yes. Yeah. Yep. He's a better maneuver. Maneuverer. There you go. Tackle. I know. I know. I speak and write for a living now, and I, I can barely do the English language, but it's. But I think this matches Matt a little bit better. I, and that's also, that's another thing with Frank Reich. We talk about just the quarterbacks. It's understanding all of his personnel. I mean, just a couple of years ago, they had no receivers. And so they were trotting out three tight ends every snap. And it worked. <laughs> it was like. Long it was live this, Jack Doyle. Yeah. It, oh, I know. I, I miss Jack Doyle. One of my So like, real quick side story. I talked to Mo yeah. Cox yesterday. And I was like, how much different is it in your role now? He's like, well, I'm in the one role. It's pretty much the same. I just have a couple more sit routes. And I'm like, oh, like third and six, like the Jack Doyle route. He's like, exactly. And I'm like, just, man, there's going to be a third and six. They just missed Jack Doyle this year because he caught it, just, you know, seven yards. It was guaranteed. I was looking at the true media stats and it was like there, it was something, uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. It might have been first down per route, some route or something. And Doyle's numbers were off the charts. And it's like, God, I'm going to miss you. Just His dead. catch percentage was like 86% over the last seven years. I mean, it's like just, maybe one drop. He's like the, one Agar of Mart- he's the Agar Martinez of, of tight ends, like just efficient, man. He's hitting those doubles. Just a ton of doubles and a ton of walks. And, and I don't think he could hit a home run. No. But yeah. I mean, that was the beauty of it. Yeah. That's, that's the beauty of football is like guys like that just carve out a role. Exactly. I know. That's that's why I love. And that's why it's not just – I try to – a lot of on our show, it's not just the stars. Stars are awesome. 
but there are a lot of what I call super role players that are just as fun to watch in their in their types of roles. And Jack Doyle is one of them. Naheem Hines is another one. Yeah. Like again, I'm a sucker for the Colts. <laughs> Last thing, I'll let you go. Do we see any diminishing skills from number two, Matt Ryan? I haven't seen it in camp. Like you said, I thought that was interesting. You said calculated deep balls. We haven't seen as many as we saw last year. Now, Carson can throw the shit out of the ball all over the field. He has that arm. Matt Ryan doesn't have that, but he still can launch it. He's been picky with his deep balls, but the out routes, they look good to me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with Pittman, a guy that can win and almost, you know, plays better when a guy is all over him. What's the expectation for Matt Ryan in terms of how he looks this season? I I mean, that kind of quarterback eight to 12 range. I, that's totally, I think they're fine with that. That's yeah. And that's huge. I mean, if he's quarterback, if he's the eighth best quarterback this year with the other talent they have, that's awesome. Like, quarterback <laughs> lost them games last year. I, I don't think right. Matt Ryan's going to win them that many games, right. but he's not going to do that. When you don't have to, don't have to run for 200 yards and you can just, you know, run for 120 and then throw for 280. Like that's pretty fun. Like that's a really fun offensive day. And the defense takes the ball away. And exactly. And gets sacks and, and just creates havoc. Like they're, they might have some games where they have some bad matchups because of their def- the defensive look like that. It is what it is, but they're not like, I don't know. It's one of those, it's a team that I'm not, there's not the huge gaping question mark that I have with other teams. It's like that the fact that they're solid is good. <laughs> like it's right. so much better to be solid. They're well have, built. They objectively are well built. They've and had it's the best draft, quarterback they've had. Right. And, since and years, since 18. So. Yep. Yeah. So it's, I really think, uh, I don't think I didn't see any diminishing returns statistically. Yes, there were, but as far as I test Matt Ryan was Matt Ryan last year and he's going to age. Well, he's again, we talked about him as a runner. He's such a better athlete than people have always given him credit for. Well, that usually ages better. And so that's why I'm not, he's never been a guy that won with overwhelming arm strength. Yes. It's probably 10% less than it was in his prime, but he doesn't win that way. Like that's Russell Wilson losing his scrambling ability is a lot more scary than Matt Ryan losing 10% of his stuff. Like, you and know, it's, it's going to look right. That's a good point. If it's going to look like it did in 20 here, Taylor wasn't Taylor yet. Right. Pittman wasn't Pittman yet. And that matters a lot because yes. that means less on Matt Ryan's plate. He can just play a little bit more efficiently. Yeah, he went from rookie uh, not starting right away because it wasn't the Marlon Mack start. benched in like week yeah. six. Yeah, he fumbled. To offensive player of the year. Oh, well, well he should have won offensive player of the year. He had 250 in Cup. his last game. Right. And Cooper Cup won the Triple Crown, but it's it's maybe it's because I bet on him to an offensive player of the year. That's why in my head I had it. But uh, but he's now he's a star. And like yeah. I, which I mean, anyone watching him at Wisconsin would have kind of bet on that. But it's it's watching him now. That's it's truly. He's a plus plus player as opposed to an idea or a theory. He's proven it in big time games. So that's a way different. And you got a healthy Quentin Nelson. It's yeah, just that's I another mean, thing that we have not talked about a lot. Like he was not healthy last year. And Quentin told me that it was just not up to his par. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and his par is it's Quentin Nelson. Yeah, his par is a uh, first team Living, all pro. breathing refrigerator who just moves people, <laughs> you know. So And I love Ryan Kelly. Like I've always I, I, I've been pounding the table for Ryan Kelly for a few years because he's like Mr. Underrated somehow. I don't know how an Alabama first. Well, he pick. plays next to a generational left guard. And right. I feel like that, you know, you just kind of overlook that. And Brady yeah. Smith's another guy who gets overlooked yes. quite a bit, too. That's Quentin, man. It's all his fault. <laughs> just the star. It overwhelms him. It's like being in an ensemble movie with Brad Pitt. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this was fun. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna have someone at West 56th Street send you like a Colts hoodie or something, just Perfect. to like. Yeah, I mean you're like the number one fan now. I guess. Did you see the uh, Home Field Apparel, the, that company that had the Colts gear? I, yeah, I my, they're I repping my Wisconsin them now. Shirt on right now. There so. you go. Hey, yeah. Ballard would love that shirt too. He was oh, wearing I'm Wisconsin sure. the other day. Was he? So, oh, good. I'm glad he represents him still. When he drafted Taylor, we were like, you just drafted him because he was from Wisconsin, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. I think he's going to be pretty good. But hey, 2000, you know, whatever. His, his, scouting, report, his scouting report was just one word. It just said Badger, period. And yeah. that was it. Badger running back. the only guy he's ever taken, though, from Wisconsin, which is kind of <laughs> I think so. But, I think so, too. I know. But Not even a defensive guy. Batting a thousand. This was fun. Thanks, <laughs> Nate. I had a blast. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you.